Welcome to Pull the Pinner Ready War Room. I'm your host, Jim, and with me as usual is Mike. Yep. All right, Mike. Let's see who we got today. Oh, what yay. up, places? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we won't spend too much time because we know Paul's doing all right. Nate! Oh, yay. Nate in a while. What's going on, guys? What's up, man? All right. Everybody doing good? Doing great, doing great. All right, all right. Awesome. You guys know um, how it works, right? Yeah. Let's get this war room, pull the pin going. I will introduce the headline, actual headlines from the news, although I can't verify because Mike sent me these. Um, These are actual headlines, and Mike will tell you when it's your turn to speak so we don't talk all over each other, and eventually somewhere in the middle, we will just start talking all over each other. So let's go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be pulled a pin otherwise, but... First one, the White House said U.S. President Joe Biden would announce an increase to the annual cap on refugee admissions in May after criticism for extending Trump-era limits till September. He picked that just because it was super long and he knew. What do you think about that, Paul? Well, I think it's interesting that during the campaign, he pretty much criticized everything that Trump did. And then in taking office, pretty much just let everything ride. And so I'm wondering if this is genuine. And if it is genuine, I'm wondering the rationale why. Or is this just a reaction because he's taking criticisms? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Can we lose you? I'm here. here. Can you hear? Oh, oh okay. Now, it sounded like you cut off. I think his lips stopped moving, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you think about that, Nate? I want to know what the cap is. If, if these, if these, they're not cages anymore, whatever they call them nowadays, are so overfilled and over a thousand percent of capacity, what is the cap? Is there really a cap, or are they just saying that to make people happy? I, I think I'll, I'm more in line with that. They're just uh, saying that to make people happy. You know, I think uh, this right here is similar to the wall, and like Paul alluded to, some other things that he just he's continuing to do what Trump was doing all the while, while he was uh, campaigning, he was criticizing Trump for it. So is this is this also a play of words? Because refugees and undocumented are two different groups of people. Illegals. Refere- refugees aren't the illegals trying to come in. They're legit refugees trying to seek the proper way to come in. Illegals just come in. Right. That's That's my guess yeah. is that there aren't a whole ton of refugees because there has to be legitimacy, right? And usually refugees are going to be the next country over. So they're probably just trying to move and classify people into a different category themselves. Right. They, they apply properly and get vetted and all other stuff. So is that a so number? Well, then they can call some illegals refugees and then they can send them off, release them and say, hey, come back for your court case. Um, yeah. yeah. So what- 
quantified as a rep. I mean, in honor and on the class, but like escaping a genocide, I'm escaping a war, I'm escaping, you know, some condition other than just my government sucks and I'm, I'm poor. So, and I would agree. As far as I know, like, is is there a civil war going on in Mexico? Is there a genocide in Mexico? What constitutes a refugee? Mm. What are they seeking refuge from? Cartel. Could be. I mean, I mean that that may be true. You you might say that cartel violence, but what is the what is the cause of the cartel violence that we have in Mexico? Drugs. Yeah, so it's the the, the, um, the war on American drug users. So are you going to escape to the war zone, or that, that makes no sense to me? Mm. <laughs> I think they want to escape poverty. Well, that's version, correct, but is yeah. a refugee, or is that just someone trying to seek a better life? Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I don't think these people are, are labeling themselves as refugees. It's just... We are. We being the um, media. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I could totally um, agree with that, Mike. Only because I know they're being coached, so they might come up saying we're refugees, but they know they're not. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's that's been going on for decades. Right. I want to seek political asylum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, stuff like that's been going on for decades. As far as being coached. They, they well, train them on what the to say. Makes it easier to come in. That's I would what say I was yes. saying. There's yeah. probably different rules for different categories, obviously. Right. So yep. that's why they're doing it. All right, we good. Move next one. Yeah. The police released names of the victims of the attack on the Indianapolis FedEx facility. You look like you don't remember sending me that, Mike. No, I was, no, something else started playing in my ear. It was weird. And at, on another tab, I was like, what the hell is that? But um, what do you think about that, Nate? I, I think that's the NSA in your ear right now. <laughs> you better change these topics. You know? <laughs> I mean, doesn't the victims' names usually get released? I mean, every, every time there's an attack, the victims' names are always released. So what, what's... I don't usually see it's that tag pending uh, contact of family or something. Oh, I don't know. How long ago was this FedEx facility shooting? Oh. I would assume once the police release the names that they, they've already contacted Mexican. So I don't I don't think that headline means anything. Every victim's names usually get released. I mean, unless you didn't notify Mexican and then just do names other than, yeah, that's wrong. But right. I don't see a problem with, you know, them being remembered. I told you it was going to be boring, Mike. <laughs> yeah, was there a reason to withhold them other than next of kin notification? That's the only thing I could think of. You know, they're just, you know, following protocol. You know, they just don't want to uh, violate someone's rights. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, if they and, were all and, refugees, we'd probably have a full report by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Help spin me up on that. In that in that shooting, what was the weapon in that shooting? You remember? If I if I remember correctly, I could be speaking wrong. It was an AR pistol. 
that had a arm brace on it. And I think it's ironic that the ATF is now going after arm braces. Because I've heard that several times in this new change that the last two, I think it was the last two shooters had used an AR pistol with an arm brace. So that's reasons to now illegalize an arm brace. As if the arm brace wasn't on the weapon, that wouldn't have happened. Right. Or if the barrel was two inches longer, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, mm. if it was a 16 inch barrel instead of an eight inch barrel. It... Hmm. I don't know what weapon was used, but all I know is I like both my 16 and my eight inch barrels. They're fun. I don't have anything smaller than a 16 inch barrel if I had a gun. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I borrowed my friends one time. All my models are just models. <laughs> I don't measure barrels. I I, I, I don't have a firearm. I don't think to worry about it in Texas. <laughs> the one guy in Texas don't have a firearm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't you know. Have one. We know where we're hiding our models. There you go. I thought they give you a weapon at birth in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of that, why don't we move over to something more threatening? The founder of the Oath Keepers Militia Group became the first person to plead guilty to charges relating to the Capitol riot. Wow. First person to plead guilty. To what? Yeah. I would like the to know. Charges. What he, yeah. The, relating uh, to the Capitol. Yeah. Illegal entry. Uh, right. Criminal trespass. And then anonymous sources told us. Yeah. An anonymous source related to the thinking of the justice system. Mm. Who and what are the Oath Keepers? You want me to answer? Yeah. Yeah, please. I don't know. Okay, so so the Oath Keepers are um, when it's kind of that three percenter deal. But the oath that they're talking about is we've had a similar conversation in an earlier episode maybe a month ago about the oath to the Constitution to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And so Oath Keepers originally came by that and is actually trying to press the police that in their, their you know, oath of enlistment that they had swore to uphold that and saying, okay, well, this is the Constitution. You now have to, you know, your oath is to that, not just to the fact that they've made a law. And it also kind of segues off of that 3% of the people that had supposedly taken up arms against the British crown in the American Revolution, right? So basically that was, okay, even we had this similar conversation that I had swore up to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. When does that oath end? And so I I think it originated mostly against ex-veterans that figured that their oath didn't end with their term of enlistment, right? So, and I think this headline, what that does is it attempts to sensationalize those people versus actually give you a legitimate headline, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a perfect definition of media in America. Correct. Yeah. I just had deja vu, Mike. Like, you've said that on another episode. Never. <laughs> Never. 
I think he was. I think he was good that he uh, pleaded guilty to whatever probably weak charge was. But yeah, get it behind you as fast as possible. I'm gonna go with uh, whoever made the comment about. I think it was you, Mike, about illegal entry. Yeah. Specifically because they don't mention it, it's probably something really stupid and minor. But the yeah. fact that he pled guilty to something. Let Let me dig into that, Mike. Illegal entry into what? Trespass. The Capitol building. Yeah. That's that's public property. But he didn't go in properly. Yeah, but he didn't go through the the re- the rope and the carpet. <laughs> yeah, he he probably was one of the ones they filmed going through the window. He didn't use the front door. It's public property. So all that does is look at the notion of there is no such thing as public property. Public property is actually really state property. Or government, or federal property. State property. Well, that's what I mean when I say the state. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's government. Government. It's the apparatus, right? Yeah. yeah could have been a curfew, illegal assembly. It could be anything. That's that's why I said they're not talking about it for... Right, correct. Yeah, so it, it, it can be a public property, but you know, the government could come in here and say, yeah, it's public property, but still you got to go. It's closed during these hours. Yeah. So, yeah. Session, whether in session or something. Yeah. It's public when we say it's public. (laughs) Yeah, right. So is that the George Carlin, it's a big club and you're not involved? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You good with that? Yep. It's another boring one. I'm not letting you pick anymore. Um... EU regulators said the benefits of Johnson Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine outweigh the risk after it found a possible link between the shot and rare cases of blood clots. Uh, I think we talked about this probably briefly in another episode, but yeah. Hey, Nate, what do you think about that? I mean, by how many people got the shot and how many people gave a blood clot to, yeah, those numbers are very 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 minute however there's still rare chance of you getting it so i mean if you want to take that risk and get a blood clot you can take the johnson johnson shot but then again every i think almost every vaccine has some type of rare something with it that yeah. somebody can get a some side effect. Or there you go. That's what I'm looking for. Thank yeah. you. A rare, a rare side effect. I don't know if there's Absolutely. a vaccine out there that doesn't have a rare side effect. I mean, you, know, you see the, the damn commercials on TV for all these medicines out there. May cause death. May cause. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that's if they say it. Normally they have this <laughs> fine print right at the bottom. Yeah. You know, it's a long paragraph, too. So, yeah. What do you think, Paul? Well, I'll agree with you on that. I mean, like, what is the percentage and everything has a a, a certain uh, risk of side effects? Like, I love the ones like may control uncontrollable diarrhea. Mm, do I want to have a prolonged erection or shit myself? Mm. And I guess that's the risk you have to take as long as it's, it's uh, advertised. However, today I did hear on NPR that the factory in Baltimore that was making it got closed down due to unclean, unsafe conditions. Right. That being said, that's also one of the reasons why we can't buy pharmaceuticals from the Netherlands and India, because supposedly they have unclean, unsafe conditions, but yet we have 
wave that and it happens here within the continental United States within itself. I think what's interesting about the Johnson and Johnson thing though, is that it's the single dose and it's also the cheapest that's out there. So who do we think, what demographic, socioeconomic demographic do we think that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine was targeted to? I think that was probably to the poor. The problem is, is that the politically connected at that point are losing on a lot of money. So is this political or is this a legitimate complaint? <clears throat> well, I think this is a prime example. Like we just said, rare cases of blood clots. And I think Nate, Nate, we've, Nate said something about the numbers, the percentages, right? So if you look at the percentages, the rare cases versus the number of people who probably took the, uh, the Johnson Johnson thing, I bet you it comes out to probably the same equivalent of people dying from COVID. But yet the story is not the same. I don't know the numbers, so I'm just pulling, blowing smoke out your, you know, up your butt. But it could be. And that's a shot I was thinking about getting if I got one, because it's one and done. Oh, you you mean when you're contemplating? Contemplating. Yeah. So yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like the fact that you can have all of these uh, side effects. It was a rush deal, and you can't sue the pharmaceutical company. That's the story. That's right in their agreement with the government. You cannot yeah. sue. Yep. My thing is, COVID came out of nowhere. How do we have sh- vaccines so quick for this virus? Yeah. Because they put billions of dollars into it so that they can make a vaccine and then charge billions of dollars. <laughs> so they got paid twice. Yeah. Pretty amazing how quickly they come up with a vaccine for a virus that just came out. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how vaccines are made and how they know how to make a vaccine, but it seems kind of odd that it came out so fast with a virus that came out so fast. But it's a, it, but it is a SARS variant that came out 10, 15 years ago. Oh, okay. Right. And so they had, like, people were talking about there was a company that had patented the SARS virus so that they could make their immunization, you know, and, and have some type of market protection on that. So it would seem like it would be a very easy modification. Oh, okay. Very, it's a SARS variant, essentially. It'd be a very easy modification to do that. So the, the, the part that, that bothers me is what Mike had brought up, brought up is you've now, the government's now released all of these companies from liability. Yep. So, what do you mean now? They've always well, been like that. Uh, no, that's what that's what the emergency authorization u- utilization was. Is so the parts, the structures of that was there is no liability from the manufacturer, and the normal three stage clinical trials was was essentially kind of waived. Uh, I watched a, a very good interview with a Mexican comedian and Dr. Fauci last week. And he asked a very pointed question. It's a, it's a shame that we get pointed questions from comedians, right? And they had asked Dr. Fauci, was, are any of these FDA approved? And he tap danced all around the question. But at the end of the day, the answer is no. These are not FDA approved. So basically, we're taking something from somebody that really didn't go through the normal scientifically 
agreed upon clinical trials and you have release of liability and the government's paying for it. So what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I used to work at a facility that tested all these um, infectious diseases vaccine and they skipped the mouse, they skipped the rabbit, they skipped the monkey and went right straight to the human. And that's essentially what's happened now. It says right in the release, this is phase three of of the trial period. So you you are essentially a test dummy. I don't know what you you're talking to, but well, I got my vaccine right along with my model AR. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just curious, out of the four of us, how many of you guys get your flu shot every year? Not anymore. Used to be mandatory. That's when I got it. Now I have a choice. Nope. I've seen it. They said it's only 10% effective if you get the right strand. Yeah. Why am I it's taking the right this? one? I got a, oh, I can't remember the last time I got a flu shot. That was for herpes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys no. are connected somehow. No, no. <laughs> Damn, he's right. No. <laughs> but uh, nah, I can't remember the last time. But uh, like Jim, when it was mandatory, I was getting him because it was mandatory. I'm Damn, surprised it's still not mandatory for you. Uh, no. No. All right. No, yeah. So, no. Um, wow. It's been a long time since I got that flu shot, man. But, and, but I had the, the flu maybe years, in the last 10 years. Oh, sorry, Paul. Go ahead. In the last hundred years, actually, in recorded human history that we know of, what is the largest, most deadly pandemic we've known on this planet? The flu? The Spanish flu or something? Spanish flu, 1918-1919. So if, if we thought about it in these measures that we have, we should all still be wearing masks because of the flu. And then you have a large population within this COVID, this coronavirus, that are asymptomatic. So if you could quantify all of the asymptomatic people that have had it versus how many people have died from it, it would seem that the rate, it would would be a logical hypothesis, that the rate is way less than the flu. And we blow the flu off for the last 60 years, essentially. So I almost think it comes down to that Rahm Emanuel. You never give up a good opportunity to, you know, capitalize. Never let a crisis go to waste, right? That's correct. And they've actually come out and said that. Like in your face. So. Who's that? The government. Oh, yeah. Them. You know them? Oh, them, they, yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You want names now? You want names? I can't, nah, you know, I can't yeah. use names on the show. You can't? Jim, Mike, Paul, Nate. Yeah. I don't work. I don't work for the government. <laughs> but no, um, I think what's funny is a lot more people are stopping, have stopped. Like, that's what you're just talking about. Um, started, um, stop. They stopped taking the flu vaccine. And now... You have this other strain, strand, whatever, of the flu-like disease, pandemic, and now it's said that this might become the next flu shot every year. 
mandatory. Well, they already you know said, they already said yeah. they, only, they only know it's good for six months. You probably need yeah. six months. So. Yeah, some people say it's all a setup, you know. All right, they got smart. They stopped taking the flu shot. We got to keep this going. So now mm -hmm. they have to create something else for us to, out of fear, we go and get it. So some would call that conspiracy theory, but you can legitimately see how that could be possible, right? Yeah. It's all about the yeah. money. Yeah, that's it. That's it, man. But but let me let me pose this to you. If three years ago they said you can't fly unless you show me that you've had your flu vaccination, do you think that the general populace would fall for that shit? No. No. But we're falling for it right now. Yeah. So Under the guise of safety. Yeah, well, it seems to, well, I mean, that's that's always the guise of how we can control you is in, under the guise of safety, public yeah. safety. Yep. So I'm wondering if it's more of a control measure versus it is an actual public health measure. I would say it's a control measure. I would think, though, too, because yeah. look, who's, look who's most vulnerable. The, you know, 80-year-old overweight diabetic smoker. Mm. Yeah. So the rest of us have to change our lives completely because of that small demographic. Right. It seems more controlled issue than it is a public health issue, at least yep. in my perspective. Yeah. I agree. So you're saying instead of a vaccine, we should get what? Treadmills? Well, I think if you're in one of those high risk demographics, Stay your ass at home and don't get into a, a flying tube. Right. And definitely wear your mask and gloves and get your shot. Or in this case, shots. Or one. It's all it might take if you get a blood clot. All right, you want to yeah. move on to the next one? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. IEA, International Energy Agency, said carbon emissions are expected to increase in 2021 by the most since 2010. Does that mean more people are buying cars? You know, you know what I mean? Is, that, I mean, what you, hmm. Is it just car related? That's true. How many, how many years ago was the Earth going to end because of carbon emissions? And here we still are. I mean, I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's not hurting stuff, but I mean, 30 years ago, we all would have been dead according to how long we had to live because of emissions going in the air. Yeah, and it was putting a hole in the ozone layer. Yeah, and they do this every five years, every 10 years. Well, you only have 10 more years. Oh, you only have five more years. Well, yeah, I, it's either carbon emissions or COVID. How am I going to go? Yeah, I thought the uh, I thought we were getting better with our emissions because uh, – the combustible engine, as they like to say, um, are better than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. <clears throat> so the emissions output is not as harmful to the air like the uh, engines of the past. So that's why that one was kind of, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's kind of iffy to me. Yeah, I don't get it either. We just went the whole world lockdown. I mean, emissions should be dropped by now. I mean, yeah. And then even in this country here, we're trying to make a push toward electric cars and stuff like that again. So, no, are these carbon emissions from cow farts? That type maybe of maybe we're we're not uh, eating enough meat. Those are those are the healthy uh, emissions. Oh. What do you think, Paul? 
Well, I think it's just ironic that two days after this headline, Joe Biden comes on in this little TV studio thing and talks about we need to cut uh, carbon emissions from coal and, and petro by 50%. Think about it, by 50% in the next nine years. If you, if you look at the growth of human population on the planet, right, we had a very slow and steady growth rate until the steam engine. And then it, we had a fairly marked increase. Once we had the internal combustion engine, we had this remarkable increase in the human population. Right? That's a direct correlation. Now we want to cut that what would have allowed that human population to grow such immensely by 50%. What does that do to the human population on the planet, do you think? Well, I think it, it, it would, uh, it probably, in, in the beginning, probably uh, lessen the population growth to make it more stagnant, you know? I mean, think, think about, how much work and labor it took to feed people when I was using a hoe or a horse-drawn plow versus a tractor. So I just – two things. A, I find it very ironic that this headline comes out right before the current administration is now pumping for massive restrictions on carbon emissions. Right, The timing is very suspicious. But then you also see this uh, continuing trend on the very, very far left in this kind of eugenics population control model. Because there's no doubt in my mind that if we drastically, if we cut carbon emissions, so think about take 50% of the cars off the road in the next nine years, cut. 50% of the tractors we use in our agriculture in the next nine years. What does that do to the cost of energy, especially for the poor, in the next nine years? It will have a huge negative effect on the world's population, or positive, if you think that there's just too many people on this planet. And if you think it's a matter of there's too many people on this planet, who is going to suffer? Do you think that the rich, the elite, the politically connected are going to suffer? Or do you think the poor of the planet are going to suffer? I think the first place we can start is uh, all those politicians that fly on private planes, stop that and make them fly public. Um, get rid of the president's motorcade. He only needs one car. There's some emissions we can cut. So when you think about that stuff, it's interesting, Paul, because I like that. And I understand maybe your distinction on rich and poor is extreme ends. But who works for the rich? It may not be the poor, but it sure isn't the rich. So I think everything that affects the poor eventually is going to trickle up and affect the rich. I think they're just too stupid to realize it. It may be so. But in the United States, what group is the single largest polluter? Rich. Spend one day at Bagram or Kandahar and you'll figure out the answer to that question. How much I think, fuel I, does a C-17 burn? Yeah. Right. 
and the houses. The houses are huge, and they take all. Yeah, of course. I think there's somewhat of a balance, though. When you look at the uh, the increase of these electric cars coming out, so our emissions, you know, output is going to decrease. You know, so how do we make yeah. electricity for electric cars? But that's, that's where I was going, because even now with the houses going to the solar, you know what I mean? But solar, really, we don't have the capacitance and battery capabilities for solar. It's it's coming. The technology is evolving. But we really don't have the capacitance right now in batteries. But where do these batteries come from? Where is this lithium mined? Who mines it? And with the equipment. With a, with a digger that oh, runs I see on what you're solar? Well, it's it's the battery, right? Because you have to have battery unless you're in a, a direct line onto the grid, which is very rare for most solar. Most of it's batteries. And most of the battery technology that we have right now is lithium. Like, where is the largest known lithium store in the world? We've been there for 20 years as a hint. Afghanistan. And so we talk about, you know, exploiting the poor worldwide. Do you think that the average blue collar union worker in the United States is in the lithium mine? So I just see an exploitation coming on there. I see, hey, we're going to work the poor to death. We're going to starve the poor out, whatever the case may be. I, I see this very self-serving. Not to say that I don't think that we should be a good steward of our environment. I don't see it. I don't see that. I'm a, I'm a naturalist. I like to hunt. I like the outdoors. I like virgin, you know, but I like my cars too. And so I do agree that there's a balance. But when you have such a radical shift, it, it seems like it's lacking critical thinking. So it makes me think that there's an ulterior motive that's involved. Hmm. I, I can see, I can see what you're talking about, but I, I don't know. I just see it different. I just see it as uh, maybe like forcing, forcing us to uh, use more. Let's go to the solar panels and electric cars. That, that's what I see. And so, do good ideas require force? No, no, they shouldn't. Right. So when, when I see force being applied, I usually see the force being applied to somebody else's benefit. Mm. Not the benefit of everybody. Right. Either that or it's just a tremendous amount of hubris. Like we're all a bunch of booger eating morons that don't know what's best for ourselves. So the enlightened few that are in those positions are going to go ahead and force us to do what's best for ourselves. Yeah. Don't under, underestimate the powers of the dark side. Or large groups of stupid people. Yeah. The largest group out there, Democrats and Republicans. Y'all ready to pull the pin? There's one more. You want to do one more? Or? Yeah, that was, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you picked them. You should probably know how many there are. Police investigate after video confiscating black teen's bike goes viral. That was in uh, New Jersey, right? New Jersey, yep. 
Yeah, that was another one where uh, they just, oh, first and foremost, I thought it was ridiculous. But, you know, there's more to the story. Oh, you know, than, yeah, than just the headline. You know, it's, it's, it's equivalent to, like, when I was a cop, skateboarders were like the worst thing in the neighborhood. <laughs> they Still little are. nobody likes the kids on skateboards. They couldn't stand them, right? And I used to go and warn them, you know, on Saturdays on the weekend, they like to go into this industrial area with the big truck ramps and do their little tricks. And, you know, you always had some small crew and they were like, hey, the kids are getting in our way, blah, 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 whatever. And you go over there and you just warn them, hey, if I have to come back over here, you know, you're going to be issued a citation or whatever. And then some guys even threaten to take the skateboards. I don't know if they, I don't remember them doing that, but yeah. But yeah, I don't like the uh, black teens portion of that. Yeah, that that that's my point right there. Yeah. Yeah, who yeah, remembers what the, what the teen was? Why did they take the bike? Yeah. Just a black team. You see, that's that's the way the, the, they do it, man. Once again, God, every episode, the the media, you know, you gotta, you know, try to get those clicks, sensationalism at its best, and I don't know, I don't know. What do you think about it, Paul? Grain of salt. Oh, sorry, Nate. Go ahead. Not grain of salt. Media is just a grain of salt anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not even surprised at what they do anymore. It's just okay. Whatever. Yeah, like you said, they, they create headlines to get a click. Yeah. And it's sort of pot. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Is it is it necessarily we were talking about this in the stadium before we started? It's it's is it necessarily just to get the click or is it to push a very divisive narrative? I, I, I feel like that the fourth column is being used as a means to divide us. And I think the easiest way to divide Americans is not by class per se. It's to do that by race, right? Because it, it's very emotional. And for a, a large portion, it's very intangible or unquantifiable. So I, I'm, I'm noticing a very disturbing trend in the media as of late on utilizing this. So, you know, why do we have to put a black teen? So are you going to tell me there's a group of 10 kids and six of them are black and four of them are white and they go and they just take the six black kids' bikes and they leave the white kids with their bikes? I find that highly improbable. So to me, it, it seems like there's this very underlying narrative that's being pushed in the country as a matter of division. And so why is the division being pumped? Why is this narrative being pumped? And I really honestly, when I, when I sit back and think about it, I think it's so that we fight amongst ourselves as the plebes so that we really don't focus our ire and our attention on the people that are really screwing us at the end of the day. And I think it's it's just small levels of reinforcement. Uh, again, we were talking earlier about the um, that 15-year-old girl that was shot in Ohio. And the headline was, White Cop Shoots 15-Year-Old Black Girl. 
Well, if you just read that headline, that's a very emotional, it's just reinforcement that there's this underlying racist narrative in this country, right? And they keep pumping it. Again, most of us don't, I think, necessarily, when we look around in our day-to-day lives, I don't think we really see that. But when you constantly have this narrative in the background that's like driving that point, it, it makes me very suspicious on what's the end game. I want to go ahead. Go ahead. I just think it's manipulation. I think we're being manipulated. I feel like I'm being manipulated. I think somebody, anybody with um, a little shred of common sense or or logical skills or ability to reason um, can see that. And that's not even my concern. It's we all can sit here and come up with all kinds of ideas why they're doing it. What concerns me more is that I think each one of us here look at that headline and see that they're doing it. But yet there's a vast majority of people out there who look at that headline and get excited and believe it. So why are they missing it and we're not? Or why do we believe we're not and they're missing it? Why do they call it common sense? Because what I would think of of common sense is not very common. And you brought up critical thinking skills. I mean, there's... I've noticed a very disturbing trend probably over the last 10 or 15 years that the ability to think critically, to think in multiple steps is sorely lacking in this country. Yes, it's proven every four years during an election. Correct. It's a a prime example. Yeah. Until we get a libertarian in there, then he'll be like, oh, everybody finally came to their senses. Yep. But we'll never have a libertarian in there because the libertarian is going to talk about you have to have personal responsibility, and most people are averse to that. I agree. Mike's, and, Mike swayed me. And I think it's common sense. I'm with Mike. I'm throwing my vote away next next election. How How is voting your conscience ever throwing your vote away? You're wasting your breath, Paul. <laughs> I, I just, I've never understood that rationale. It's not even that I think my vote even goes anywhere. Because every illegal vote or every unethical vote takes my vote away. What did George Carlin say? If you look at the most average person you know, half the people on the planet are dumber than that guy. So let's take this room, for example. But then again, half the people on this planet are smarter than that guy. Yeah, so what that means is everybody that has a lick of intelligence, their vote is offset offset by a booger-eating moron. What? <laughs> and it's like back to idiocracy, you know, like like the ignorant are breeding faster than the intelligent. How long does it take until it's, hey, take the most average guy you know and 80% of the people are dumber than that guy or gal? will be asexual in that yeah but I don't see that as a plan for sustainment I mean I just I think at some point just like when they talk about the redistribution of wealth you know at some point if you know if they redistribute all the wealth it, it'll be right back into the richest people's hands within no time I just don't see that the, the dumber people surviving no matter how much they outweigh so at some point it's just going to lead to the population control and you know yeah. And we could do that by doing away with fossil fuels. 
Right, and COVID vaccines. Of course, I'm a yeah. cynic by nature. Like, I grew up with a grandfather that used to tell me not to leave my shoes outside because the gypsies were going to take them. <laughs> I didn't know we had a gypsy problem in suburban Richmond, Virginia in the ni- 80s and 90s. But yeah, so that's kind of where I, be- I look at things from a very cynical lens. Yeah, I'm a realist every four years. Yeah, you see those type people, divide and conquer. You don't have to be every four years. There are elections every year you can vote in. You don't have to do yeah. every four years. You yeah. can change if you change every every year, little by little by little by little. Eventually, we can get there. It's not. <laughs> no, it's too many people worried about being on the winning team. Man. That's the general consensus. They want to win. That's where you get the wasted uh, vote thing. And, you know, we say it in jest a lot, but that's just the way people are. I've had this conversation too many times. I'm like, wow, you're more libertarian than you think, but you're going to vote for one of the people or groups that's tearing this country apart. Well, let's 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 just we got a couple minutes. So let's just dive in real quick, though. So if I don't feel like I have done my homework and I don't feel like I know these candidates well, especially on the lower elections. It's really harder. Uh, well, I'd say it's harder because I'm, I'm less interested, per se. So should I vote? You, I, I'd say you do anything you want. Well, no, I didn't say could I because I know I could. Yeah. But should I? Do you think it, it's, it's a wise way to vote when I don't even know who I'm really voting for? Why didn't you take the time? Obviously, you really don't care because you're not taking the time to figure out who they are and what they represent. Right. I think so, I think for that, uh, I call that one of the people, one groups of people that you vote to be able to say you voted. Right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so if I, if I chose not to vote because I didn't do my research, whether for whatever reason it would be Nate, whether I didn't care or just got behind and too busy uh, because I didn't want to make an uneducated thing, I could still go in and write myself in or write Mike James in. So I could still do uh, vote, exercise my vote, and say that I've done something. Because I know I trust Mike James to run the country, so I will definitely vote for him. But you as a Republican would vote for that Democrat? I'm not a Republican. And everybody know I'm damn sure not a dumbass Democrat. <laughs> and I ain't gonna, I'm not going to lessen my intelligence and say I'm a dumbass independent. I might do that because I thought that was the middle ground. So I just kind of picked that one. What do you think a large amount of people who vote don't do that due diligence? Right. Because if you had really done the due diligence, could you have voted for really the last two? Like I, my, my choices are, are herpes or syphilis. Right, well, it depends I, I, on the I'm side really effects. Kind of like I, I did the research and like herpes kind of sucks, syphilis kind of sucks. Like I'm going to vote for no STDs. You could have voted for gonorrhea in the middle, and you'd have been. Yeah, but 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 that's not even an option. So you just say like, it is an option. I'm going to vote for an STD. It is an option. I mean, and gonorrhea could be an option. I guess you could be the Green Party or whatever it is, but Libertarian Party. I, I don't. Uh, we can go on and on because if you followed libertarian philosophy, there there should be no such thing as a libertarian party. I'm just saying there's more choices than two. But are there really? 
I don't think so. I on think paper, it's all the same. Is. On paper, they all party come from the, the same pot. Was the only third party that had ballot access on all fifty states. Who's that? The Libertarian Party was the only third party on the last election. They didn't even have it in the election prior to that that had ballot access on on all fifty states. Because so Gadarina, I mean, because syphilis and herpes, yeah. they make the rules on who can vote. Yeah. So yeah, they, think Mike... they, they keep out third parties intentionally so that you don't have it. Like my, my very first time that I could vote, Ralph Nader was on I'm not Ralph Nader, excuse me, Ross Perot was on the ballot. I'm dating myself now. And I agreed more what that guy had to say than the other two candidates that we had, which was Senior and Bill Clinton. Thank you. I was like, man, I thought it was me. Okay. Right. And everybody I talked to was like, oh, you're just wasting your vote. I.e., I don't want Clinton to be elected, or I.e., I don't want Bush to be elected. So voting becomes defensive. I don't want that. This dude is less of a piece of shit than that dude. So I'm going to vote for this guy. It's been the lesser of two evils for years, right? Yeah, it's still evil. But it's the lesser of two evils, right? It's, it's never evil. been the, the lowest evil. It's been the lesser of two evils. Okay, so, but if you go by the notion of the consent of the government, which we talked about a couple of months ago in, in, in one of the, the podcasts we had, if you go by the consent of the governed, what happens when the majority of people don't vote? Should that not be implicit that their consent is, I don't want gonorrhea, syphilis, or herpes? No, no, because then they'll fill in some ballots and put them in a box under a table. You're still going to get an STD. <laughs> It's like going on Liberty and you stay on the boat and you still get drippy dick. That's why I get off the boat. Yeah, my well go get off the boat and go have a good time. Yeah, same result. <laughs> but I, I think really honestly, like the whole notion of voting in the American democracy is like a genius way of self-enslavement. Because we legitimize the fact that somebody else can rule me just because there's the ability to vote for somebody to rule you. What if I abstain and I don't want anybody to rule me? Well, you just kind of get a big old F you and you're going to get ruled anyway. Hey, I want to stay on the boat. I don't want to go get drippy dick, but you're going to go get a case of it anyway because the other sailors on the boat went out and they went whoring in Manila or whatever the case may be. So it's almost brilliant in the way that they do that. You go like, okay, I'm going to accept my chains and my shackles because you can vote to have chains or shackles. Mm. What if I vote not to have either? But that's not an option. So I don't think that there's any legitimacy in the American voting system until you put none of the above on the ballot. Well, they have other voting options. I, I've, we've covered that once before. They have other ones that they talk about, but we're not even implementing them. Kind of like the runoff one, what they call that, where you can vote for the top two. So this way, if Mike was libertarian, he could vote libertarian and Democrat like he wants to. And then it gives more of a chance for libertarians to vote because then they're not afraid to lose to the second party. It's not a losing vote. They're putting two votes. Okay, so, so let's, even, uh, let's even go with that. Let's say you vote for the guy you want to. 
but the dude that you really despise, he's now in charge. Is that still your consent to be governed by the guy you despise because a couple more people than you voted for that person? Well, then you can't, but everybody can't be happy. So, I mean, so just because you don't want to be governed government. by somebody. Huh? It's not the consent of the governed. We're basically settling ourselves on mob rule, and you're just going to take it because the mob overruled you. If 51% can vote to oppress the 49%, is that freedom? Is that the consent of the governed? Well, where does consent come from? Is it consent come from as a, an honor or, or something from being a citizen? Like if you want no, to be a like, citizen, you've so, you play by so these let's rules? parlay that over into you buying a car. How do you show consent for you agreeing on the terms of buying a car? If my neighbor voted for me to buy the car, if my two neighbors voted for me to buy the car, does that mean I'm obligated to the terms of the contract of buying the car? That's democracy. Yeah, I, I don't I know. I think that I went know. over his head. Yeah, I don't know how to put that comparison into being a citizen versus a car. Like, I don't need a car. I don't have to have a car. I could take the damn bus. I don't have to have a ruler either. No, but but in order but in order to live in a country that's established with a ruler and set of rules, if you want to be in said country, uh, you can consent to the rules or at least align to them. You don't have to. There's there's a there's a very fundamental difference between rulers and rules. Sure, and the rules determine who the ruler is, and if you don't like the rules, you change the rules. How do I do that? Uh, by following the rules. <laughs> so you see the circle we're going back in. Oh, I'm not doubting it's not set up in their favor. That's not my point. I just don't know any other way to do it unless we all declare we're no longer citizens and start our own country. I am actually of the mind of I would like to have 326 million individual countries within this geographic region we call the United States. I, I'm, I'm, I have enough faith in you, Jim, that you can run your own life. And I don't have enough hubris to say that you're too fucking stupid to do it, so I'm going to do it for you. Who's going to fix our roads? Say again? Who's going to fix our roads? The same people that... So you're, are you telling me government fixes roads or people fix roads? Right. People fix roads, but if... Thank you. So you answered your own question. But if I don't go out there and fix it, who's going to do it? If we have 350 million different countries, do you think they're going to come over and fix my road for me or just take care of their own road? Okay, so let's look at this in the notion of the United States and we have 50 states. Oh, well, I mean, who's going to fix the roads in Virginia if we don't have the United States? Who's going to fix the roads in Henrico County if we don't have the United States? Who's going to fix the roads in my neighborhood if we don't have the United States? Who's I really going to thought fix you'd the give road that address. goes to my house if we don't have the United States? It's, it seems like a nonsensical argument when you break it down mathematically to me. I mean, roads... Did we not have roads prior to 1954? I don't know, but if, if we have 350 million countries in this one country, 
I can't do every job to sustain my country. No, that's the division. You can of negotiate labor, so you them. Do that voluntarily. So, so let, let's do this. This this sounds real deep and something we probably should have an episode on because I, I do like where this is going. Um, but we're already pushing this this episode here pretty far. So if we're gonna go deeper, 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 it's just gonna go longer and longer. Okay. So why don't we go ahead and close this out? Um, so we can avoid any more STDs. And <laughs> Mike, you could thank our wonderful guests. Before I they didn't, they didn't give me no STD. Oh, you ain't checked yet. Ah, uh, yeah, I got a blood test. Yeah. Oh, there's a swab coming to your house right now. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us. All right. You're more than welcome. Wait for the after party or do what you need to do, but we're going to close it out. Later. And that is all the time we have for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you get involved. Come check us out. Come to our website. Give us some feedback, whatever it is you want to do. Uh, PullThePinReady.com. And until then, Godspeed. Hey, and pull the pin. <laughs>